It's very difficult to do my type of jobs without money behind you. To survive and to do like good business with international artists, you have to guarantee that you have good money behind you. It's a risky business, it's demanding. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Gary Talks, which is our final one for series three of the show. This week, our special guest is Carlo Pellegrino, who is the senior promoter for Vivo Concerti, one of the biggest events companies in Italy. Carlo has been involved in the music industry for over 10 years, but his passion for music, ability to quickly discover upcoming artists and trends, and also his negotiation skills in bringing some of the biggest international acts to Italy has made him a valuable asset in the industry. I've known Carlo as a friend for quite a few years, but his work ethic has always consistently impressed me. He's very driven, isn't afraid to take risks, and always wants to bring value to his work. A few years ago, he even ran his own company, and he talks about both the success he achieved and the lessons he learned during that journey. This is a great episode for music fans, those involved in managing events or sealing deals, but even for anyone who loves to hear people be open and honest about a career of passion and challenges. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Carlo Pellegrino, thank you for joining me on Gary Talks today. Thanks for having me. It is Easter Sunday. We are here on the outskirts of Milan and we've just had a feast of food. So in Ireland, we'd usually have lamb. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Why don't you tell the listeners the monstrosity and variety of food we had right now? I mean, we are in Italy, so I feel like I don't have to tell them everything. (laughs) But I mean, it's been a long journey today. So yeah, we're very tired. So forgive me in advance if I like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I'm not 100% ready for this interview. <laughs> yeah, so there's like five courses and lots of wine yeah. and Amaro and Prosecco. And we're not finished yet. I no, think. Yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. And we're just taking a break. And typical Italian family as well. There's like 20 people upstairs and the kids are going mad because they're <laughs> opening Easter eggs. So we just had to yeah. get out of here and, and hide. And thank you for bringing me to Milan City yeah. Center last night as well. No problem. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. Thank you also for, it's one of the cool things about the job you have. I, I can't do cool things really for anyone, but you got us tickets to Maniskin, yeah. <laughs> which was brilliant. Yeah. Do you like the show? It was brilliant. First time I came across them was in the Eurovision. Yeah. And they were tipped at the time to win the Eurovision, which they did. But of course, for Italian people, you would have been quite familiar with them for maybe a couple of years prior because they did really big in X Factor. Yeah, that's true. We started working with them since they were like still in the X Factor and we promote like the very first tour of them, which is worth very small, like very small venues, very underground vibes. And now, I mean, it's incredible what they achieved during the last couple of years. I mean, it's been huge. So yeah, yeah like three of the band members are in, are 22 and one yeah. the singer's 24. They're still very young. Yeah. And they featured in the soundtrack of the Elvis movie that Baz Luhrmann did. Yeah. And they're millionaires already. <laughs> isn't that the dream yeah it is a dream it is a dream but they still can do more i mean they're they're getting like very big also in the u.s or in asia at the moment so the process is still long but it's kind of unique what they are doing uh, across the world for an italian band is like a unique thing so yeah 
But look, it's not just Maniskin that you work with. I got to go to Tommaso Paradiso last year. Yeah. He was really good. And he was with the band, The Journalists. Yeah. And we went to Florence and the Machine a few years ago as well. And she's amazing. But like the artists that you're working with at the moment, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah. Louis Capaldi, Sam Smith. These are all under the Vivo umbrella. So you're the senior promoter. And Vivo Concerto is one of the biggest events promotion companies in Italy and at least within the top 15 in the world yeah that's true and you do music festivals concerts theater shows exhibitions world tours yeah as you say divo concerti is one of the main live concert promoter in the world at the moment we are i think number 13 per gross per year and number of ticket sales per year and one of the main in italy of course and uh, for me personally, I don't work personally with all the artists you mentioned, but with a good number of that. So, I mean, it's a great job and it's also a passion for me. So it's kind of easy to to do that because when you like something, it's easy for you to do sacrifices and to do like uh, efforts to achieve what you want to do. But, you know, it's like, it's been a long ride for me because I've been doing this job since 2012 but it gave me like ups and downs during the years but now yeah i'm happy with with what i'm doing at the moment yeah so even go through the journey how does someone get into music promotion i mean it was kind of casual for me and for what i heard during these years i think it happened to a lot of us it's not something except for particular cases it's not something like you studied for because I've done like very different studies from what I'm doing right now, because I studied architecture, so totally different Mm. things. But when I was studying, I remember that a friend of mine was working at Vivo at the moment, and he asked me, do you want to join me? Maybe it can be interesting for you. And Vivo was like the, the main promoter for all the music I was listening to at the moment, because they were doing like Arctic Monkeys and Muse and all the stuff like that during the start of 2010. So yeah, I decided to give it a try. At the beginning, I thought, I mean, it can be like just a moment. Like I can do that while I'm I'm finishing my study. And then after that, uh, probably I will become an architect. But when, when I started with that, I don't know, it kind of things keep happening all the time. So it became more interesting year after year. So after a few years, I realized that that is going to be in my life. So I decided to go 100% for it. And I've done basically all the roles you can do in a mm. uh, promoter company. Because I've done ticketing, I've done contracts, I've done payments, I've done booking, I've done basically everything. And then the managing director of Vivo, Clemente Zard, gave me the trust to do like what I'm doing right now. And I think the results were, were pretty good. So I'm happy for that. And you get to travel around quite a bit. Like you were in LA there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. What were you up to? That is a good part of my job. I mean, we go to London uh, many times during the years for uh, meetings with the, the, the live agency we work, the, we work with. Because all the live agency that represents all the artists across the world are based in London and in LA. During the last few years... Uh, London probably was more relevant for like rock acts but now with the hip-hop taking over LA is becoming the 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 center of the type of music so it is becoming more important for us to I mean 
to show up in LA, to do meetings in LA because of that. So, yeah. Which is interesting because for your survival, you have to keep adapting and changing yeah. to whatever is trending at the moment. Yeah. So you're saying that rock was huge initially yeah. anyways. Yeah. And it's phasing out a little bit maybe and hip hop is the yeah. new thing coming in. Yeah. And who's the big inspiration of hip hop for Italians? Who's the big artist? I mean, it, it, it depends because in Italy, youngest generation are listening to a lot of hip hops at the moment. Uh, if you look like at the first 50 position in the Spotify Italian charts, probably 40 are uh, occupied by Italian domestic hip hop acts. So I don't know, maybe Salmo is one of the biggest one at the moment, Lazza obviously is doing very well but the youngest generation are also listening to a lot of international hip-hop acts so it's becoming way easier for us like to bring artists from the u.s to italy which was like inconceivable like few years ago maybe just five years ago if you told i don't know i want to do like a kendrick lamar show in italy i want to do a drake show in italy probably people would have told like you're crazy because these artists are huge everywhere. But Italy, it wasn't a market ready for this type of artist. So probably you would have sell like way less tickets than other markets across Europe. So that was the, the reason why the main international tours of this type wasn't passing through Italy at that time. But now the market is changing a lot. Like Travis Scott sell like 80,000 tickets in Italy this year. Uh -huh. So it, it's kind of incredible. Uh, last year with Kendrick, we were around 30,000. So it, it was a huge result for us. Who were you planning to bring in 2020 from America? Was it Lamar? Yeah, it was Kendrick. Yeah. It was Kendrick. And then everything obviously stops with yeah, COVID. Yeah, everything stopped with COVID. Because I work with Vivo since 2012 to 2018. Then I left and, and I decided to try to have my own company. And... Uh, at the time, I was like able to confirm Kendrick on my own, which was like incredible for me. What a huge result! And he was supposed to play Rock in Roma, which is one of the one of the main festival series in Italy. But then COVID came in, and obviously this was dramatic for me because I have I was on my own at the moment without big funds behind me, so I had like to rethink everything. Me and my business partner decided to split, so I have to find a solution. Uh, I talked with all the main Italian agency, but it was easy for me to find an agreement with, uh, with Vivo because obviously we knew each other very mm. well. And so I, I go back to Vivo and now working again with them since 2020, and I'm very happy about it. Usually when I talk to people on the show, they might go from being an employee to then becoming their own business person yeah so you've done that transition but then you've gone back to being an employee again yeah. so tell me about your experience of running your own business and what was what was good and what was the reality of the difficulties that you faced i mean it was like ups and down because obviously you have more freedom so you're free to do what you want basically but uh, it's very difficult to do my type of jobs without money behind you. Because obviously, um, especially not maybe not for a young Italian artist, because you can work with young domestic acts without great money. But I mean, to survive and to do like good business with international artists, you have to 
guarantee that you have good money behind you. So that probably was the, the main difficulty I, I faced at the time. I mean, it's a type of job, but it's very difficult to do without that. So now that years passed, I mean, I can say that it was too risky for me to take the step at the moment. But I mean, it's a lesson. So like every lesson, you learn from that and you grow from that. So I'm thankful in a way. Yeah. How does it work then with these international acts? Do you have to pay them a big deposit to get yeah. them on an airplane to come over? Basically, you do an offer based on what you think they can sell in Italy. So you, you basically do like a provisional file on the type of ticket price you want to apply and the result you can get. And then you send an offer based also on the production cost you expect. And usually, I mean, with main international artists, you have to pay good money in advance, like a, a, at least 50% wow. or sometimes a 100% in advance. So yeah, it's a big risk because you don't, you're not sure about the results. Even with big international artists, you don't know how many tickets you will sell, especially in, a, in not an English-speaking uh, country mm -hmm. like, like Italy. So it's easier, probably if you do this job like in England, uh, it's easier, of course, maybe bringing it American artists to, to England. But if you do that in Italy, I mean, you're not so sure anytime you, you, you send an offer like that. So. so you could send out a check for $1 million to some artists in America and not actually be sure if you can sell that number yeah. of tickets. You're yeah. hoping, you've done the research, but there's no guarantee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. there is no insurance about that, so it's a, it's a bit risky. And has it ever happened that you've made an offer and brought an artist over and just tickets didn't? Yeah, it happened many times. And you have to, like, you work on promo and you, like try to sell more tickets but sometimes i mean you you don't sell tickets at all and probably this is a perception that the audience don't have well, our job probably audience go to concerts and they see everything like realized like you don't have the perception that people is working on that concert on that particular show probably since one year before uh, you don't know how many roles are involved in that process so it's kind of strange. Probably you, you discover that only if you start working in this business. So it's a risky business. It's demanding also on the, on the mental side. Probably you don't have like a lot of big breaks during the year. Because especially during the summer, summer is like a very important period for us. Probably the busiest period of the year. So you don't, you don't have like holidays like normal people do. Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> with respect, you always look wrecked. You always look tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but that's a compliment in the sense of that you're always working. Like you have a huge work ethic. And I yeah. suppose the thing as well that I think is important for people to understand is, you know, if you go into the office in Milan and you're there at nine and you finish at six or sometimes seven, sometimes then you're actually heading out to the concert venue and you're there then all night and getting home that's at midnight true. and then you're back in the office oh, that's true again the next morning like it's full on or sometimes you get called like from los angeles at uh, their normal business time and for us like it's like, it's night night so yeah. yeah it's very like as i said it's very demanding but work is important for me you know that i told to you about work mm. many times so you know that but especially after COVID, I discovered that I, that I have to give priority to other stuff. 
and also the, the, the mental care is important. So yeah, work is important, but you have to try to not think about it every time, like night and day. So I try to do that. It's not easy because like, especially with the, with the phones we have, with the full con connection we have everywhere we are, it's kind of impossible to not receive mails and calls and messages, but uh, you have to take your time. So that's my, my biggest advice for, for who wants to do this job. And I suppose life has changed for you in the last year as well, because you got married last September. Yeah. So you have no choice now. <laughs> you can't be focused 100% on work all the time. Yeah. My wife, she was doing basically the same job because we worked together in the same company for many years. So probably she understands a lot of things better than other people. It would have been difficult for me to find someone outside of my job because people outside of the job cannot fully understand our way of living. Uh, it's a job that demands you a lot of a lot of things. I mean, you you have to focus on that one hundred percent if you want to do it at the highest level. But you know that can give you like big satisfaction. So probably sometimes. This satisfaction is the most important achieved you had, even more important than money and stuff. I mean, uh, when you say like an arena full of people and you know you work on that for mm. a year, I mean, that's huge for you. When the lights go out and then the first, the, the music starts, I mean, and you see that the, the people is very happy about that, that gives you back something. So in a way, I mean, it's, it's important. What artists have you really enjoyed working with? Um, that's a difficult question because in a way I love working with all the artists I work with. It's great to see when you start working with a young domestic cocks and you see like the process. So during the years you see the growth of the artist, uh, maybe starting from small clubs to arena tours. So that's a, a great satisfaction. And do you see something in those young artists where you're like, you know early on, that one will do really well and that one doesn't have it? I mean, as I said before, it's a risk. I mentioned that risk about international artists, but it's the same for domestic acts. So when you decide, uh, I want to I wanna try on this one, but you're never really sure about what happened because there are so many factors that can change everything. I mean... The most important, probably the people the artist is working with, because the artist is working with a particular management, with a label, with a press office. And the best way to make a project works is when all the parts of the artist work together to yeah. get a result. So you never know. It's basically a total risk you take, but sometimes you see some signals, some signals that, that, that gives you like the the green light and you say okay this is the one i can work with probably this this one is going to make it so after a few years probably it's easy for you to see these those green lights mm. and you probably come across artists as well who have huge potential but then they go down a road of maybe thinking they're bigger and better than they are already and they might go down the lifestyle of drugs the whole rock and yeah. roll story yeah and they never become the full shining star that they could have been. Yeah. I think I recognize people after a few years. So I'm lucky enough to work with people that have like a, a professional ethic like myself. So, and also maybe that management is uh, as a certain way of thinking things. So 
I, I'm becoming good at this thing. So I'm becoming good at recognizing people and see when they are humble enough to make work the priority, not other stuff. So this is becoming easier after a few years. Where do you get your drive to work as hard as you do? I've known you for many, many years now. Yeah. But you're really self-driven. You've always come across as a strong work ethic. And it's from within. But I'm wondering, what lit that fire within you? The passion. If you do a work where you're not passionate about, probably you don't give 100% yourself to achieve those goals. If you're lucky enough to work in, a, in an area you're passionate about, you do more than normal. So, yeah. But I think if, if you were working in architecture, you'd be the exact same. I think it's something I'm not deeper sure. than the passion. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because after, yes, I discovered like architecture was not 100% my passion. I mean, I was very good at drawings when I was younger, but it wasn't like a passion. It was something like a, I was doing, but I was not 100% focused on that. And doing concerts, doing shows, working in this in this business, uh, I discovered that this is really what I like. I listen to a lot of music. I do a lot of research. So probably that's the main reason. Sometimes, I mean, I listen to an artist from, I don't know, LA or maybe from Japan. And I thought probably no one has, has ever listened to these artists. And then you discover that now with TikTok, with social networks, there are millions of people that are listening to the same art. And maybe you bring, the, bring him to Italy and you like sell a lot of tickets and this is a, a huge satisfaction because if it wasn't for your personal research, you never, you never discover that artist. So probably that's, that's what I like about the job the most yeah so you mentioned tiktok so i know years ago having worked in the industry myself a little bit through radio yeah as a music promoter we'll say 20 years ago in ireland it was easy enough to see who was popular it was what records yeah. like cds or vinyls or cassette tapes were selling the most in the record shops you had your top of the pops you had your charts every week and then you could liaise with the radio station see what s songs were people ringing up and requesting to be played it was very easy to track what artists were popular. Yeah. And there was very few paths you had to go down to get that information. Now the landscape has completely changed. So where do you tap in to get your research of what's trending? I don't know. I mean, it's like um, an instinct. It's like personal taste. Then with, with Spotify and platforms like that, probably it's easier to track down what is trending at the moment. But it's, for the most, it's like personal taste, to be honest. Now it's more difficult for us because I'm close to being in my 40s at the moment. So I was thinking probably if I were like 17 or 18 right now, at a younger age with all the instruments I have right now, I'll be like a killer. It would be way easier for me. Now I'm close to my 40s, so it's very... Sometimes it's very difficult to put myself on the same line of people who has like half of my age. So this is probably the most difficult part at the moment. But I'm lucky enough. We are like a very young company. My board, my, my boss is like Clemente Zard and Andrea Ritrovato, which are managing director and general manager of Vivo Concerti. They are 34, so they are younger than me. And all the offices, we are like 50 people and, and they are like from 25 to 40 maximum. So we are a very young company. So 
uh, there is an exchange also in the office so it's easy to talk with people that maybe are listen to an artist you have never listened to and it's easier f for who does my job to to get to these artists so yeah so are the majority of your customers in other words customers being those who go to these concerts that you organize are the majority of them in their 20s yeah probably yes at the moment yeah it depends on the artist, so I would not generalize on that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the majority of the audience says, uh, yeah, it's in the 20s. They weren't ready to buy tickets a few years ago, especially for their age. But now they have like facilitation, especially from Italian governments, to buy tickets at the moment. So they have power to buy tickets. Mm. So we can see and we can feel the difference in the market right now because people who listen and discover to new music, now they... They are facilitated to buy tickets. So we we saw that change in, in, in the last few years. As in people have more money now to go to concerts. Yeah, there? and there is also a facilitation from the government. If you are at a young age, you have 500 euros per year to buy tickets. It's a bonus, the government does. To buy tickets to events? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's very useful for our job. And we can see the difference because when we announce a young artist that maybe is trending on TikTok, maybe it's easier to get a sold out on that show. And this was like more difficult years ago. That's a brilliant incentive by the yeah. Italian government. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One thing that raised the flag there when you're talking about, you know, the, the young people working in your company at the moment yeah. and how the bosses are in their mid 30s and kind of the eldest person might be in their early 40s. What's the lifespan, career-wise, for someone in this industry like yourself? I mean, it depends, but the life life of this job can be really long. I think in other companies in Italy, we have people in their 70s that are still doing this job at the maximum level. So it's a job that is demanding, very demanding, but in a certain way, it's like a drug. So you cannot get rid of it very easily. So yeah, so yeah, the lifelong can be very long, to be honest. Yeah. And is the secret then about the artist that you can bring to the table? Is that what helps with the longevity of being in this industry? You have the connections, and you can bring big international acts, or you can find upcoming domestic acts. Yeah, for my particular role is based on results. So if I don't give them results, obviously. I am not needed anymore. So I have to perform every year. I have to bring results every year. If I don't, obviously, my life in this industry won't be very long. So if you're sitting at home and you listen to a Kendrick Lamar song on Spotify and then you say, I think I'll bring him to Italy. How does that happen? Kendrick, it was like easier because obviously he was huge everywhere, but it was a risk for me. Because Italy wasn't like the best market in the world for hip-hop artists. And in this case, obviously, you have to know the person Kendrick's work with. So you have to know like his agents, uh, his, the, the company, the, the booking company he works with. And then you try to establish a relationship. You send over an offer. But it's, uh, it's a long journey. Basically, they don't give artists of that type to everyone. So you have to convince them that you're doing like the best choice, best possible choices for the artists. Probably they're going to get other offers from other promoters. So you have to be ready to fight for it. Yeah, you're competing with other promoters yeah. initially, but also probably there could be someone in the UK saying, look, we'll give you 
five nights here instead of you going to Italy yeah. for one night or something. Yeah. So yeah, and that and that's probably why many artists don't do Italy in their headline runs. You can see, especially for American rappers, you see like a lot of headline tours which pass through many other countries but don't pass through Italy. The answer for a person who does my job, it's pretty easy because we don't give them the same amounts of money. We don't. Uh, we cannot guarantee the same ticket prices on the international side. They. The market is more ready to higher ticket prices. Here, if you do a ticket price like higher than 100 euros, uh, people think you're crazy. But in the future, I see, I think that Italy will be closer to these other markets because the market is ready, the market is changing, the market is ready to, to bring over this type of artist finally. So people is getting more used to those type of ticket prices. And even Maniskin, as an example, I mean, they, they did three nights in a row yeah. last week in Milan, 12,000 arena. Uh, so that's like over 30,000 people in three nights. They're coming back there again. They're also doing the San Siro, and that's just Milan. Yeah. And then there's all over Italy as well that they're performing. Yeah. Plus abroad, internationally, like you look after them internationally as well, don't you? Yeah, my company does them internationally. We are doing a, a world tour at the end of this year. They're selling great number of tickets everywhere. So we're very happy about it. Yeah, they're, they're doing an amazing job outside of Italy. Talk to me about the skill then of negotiating. How do you become a good negotiator when you're looking to bring an artist over? I think it, come with, uh, it comes with the experience. After a few years, you have the experience to understand uh, the people you're talking to and maybe to find the key to obtain the result you want. So it comes with the experience. After a few years, I mean, you become like good at this job. So yeah, you have to try and try and try and not stop. Even at the beginning, probably you will receive like a lot of no, because obviously this work is based on relationship. And at the beginning, you don't have the, the number of relationships you would need to bring over a lot of artists, a lot of good artists to obtain good results. But you have to obtain the trust of the people you work with. You obtain the trust with, maybe with failures or maybe with bringing over like small artists that sells like 10 tickets on a show. So you have to do sacrifice, you have to try to do that. And after that, you, you get the trust to do like big things. Yeah, it comes with the years. I think it's the same on your job. I don't think you would give a project, an important project to a person you don't know, yeah. a person you don't trust. So I think in every business, this is the same. Yeah, it's interesting talking about relationships because I was going back on new clients that we had last year in the company. So I think... 29% of our business at GK Media last year was all new clients. And I broke it all down and went through each of them and realized that it was down to building up a relationship over the last few years that they became a new client last year. And then I looked at all our current clients that we've had for the last few years and realized how reliant we are yeah. on relationships in each of those organizations for it to work. So it's not really the company is such coming to us it's the relationship we've built with those people in the yeah. company that come to us and i think it's so important for people to realize the importance the effort the investment that needs to be put into relationships yeah. 
That's what I was saying, like about our uh, my travel trips, like uh, like the one I've just done to LA. It's very important to give face to an email to establish like a, a real relationship with people, because our job, I mean can seem like like a very distant job like you do like from your computer and stuff but the best business in my life probably i've closed them like in front of a beer or at a restaurant so uh, our work is really based on that so it's one of the the most important things in our job do you read a lot of books then about business and entrepreneurship yeah, I read a lot of books, especially in the past few years. I remember one uh, that I particularly loved. It was Shoe Dog. Yes. The one about the, the Nike founder. It you gave very, me a copy of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was very inspiring. It shows you like how you can build something from scratch. I mean, based on your ideas, on your way of thinking. Even if you don't have like big money behind you, you can like build something great so yeah it was inspirational and then for you is the success when you close the deal in the restaurant or is it when the lights go down and the stage becomes alive in the arena it's a mixture of that it's um you feel like the satisfaction when you close the deal especially if it was like a very long uh, process yeah a long process before the confirmation so probably yeah that's the main uh, the main satisfaction you can get when you see people happy i remember when after all uh, the struggle i have to get kendrick to italy uh, in 2000 uh, last year in 2022 we were able to confirm milan and uh, and to do like almost 30,000 people in milan which was incredible and I remember that when the first knot started the, and the lights go out and the people was like screaming and stuff, there is a video of me and I was crying and I literally cannot stop myself from crying because, I mean, all the tension you get from these months and all the work you've done. And then suddenly everything goes out and it's all like happiness and stuff. So yeah, it's a... It's a great feeling, probably in sport, probably it's like a goal uh, after uh, months and months of struggling. Yeah, because you're a big soccer fan as well. You got to meet your yeah. idol last year, was it? Uh, yeah, it was a present from my friend from for my wedding. So yeah, he brings me to meet uh, Roberto Baggio, which was my biggest sporting idol when I was a kid. So yeah, it was great. And was it great meeting your idol? Because I've had that experience in the past meeting the people and it's like oh this isn't <laughs> it depends. They're, not, they're not as nice as i expected them to no, it be. i think it depends on the idol issues i think that uh, everybody knows that roberto baggio is the type of person everyone loves so yeah i think uh, he in a way maintained like my expectation of him so yeah it was very nice it was a very lovely day so yeah it was a great experience there's a great movie of him on Netflix as well. Yeah, yeah, there is a movie on Netflix. I watched it like several times because my <laughs> wife hates me for that. What sacrifices have you had to make? As I said, you have to sacrifice a lot of things and especially probably your personal life because you don't have like a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays. When you have holidays, like you don't enjoy that 100%. I remember... 
There once during uh, an August holiday, I was in New York on the top of Empire State Building and I was confirming a show on my phone. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy. But yeah, these are sacrifices that are uh, necessary. Yeah, because this is the thing about the concerts. They're always on at a time when people socialize, meaning that you can socialize because yeah. you're at them. Yeah. Yeah, you see people socializing, being happy, and you're probably the most stressed people in that place at the moment. So yeah, you not enjoy that, that moment as much as people do. But as I told you, the satisfaction you get from realizing that project is bigger than the sacrifice you do. It repays you of everything, so you forget about all the sacrifices made. In terms then of the big lesson in life that you've learned, which often might be through failure or mistake, what would it be for you? I feel it's like um, taking care of yourself. Because, I mean, I've been through a lot. I've been through failure. I've been through su success. But the most important lesson, as I said, I got it from, uh, from COVID. From the two years, probably, we stopped working at all because our sector stopped working. We couldn't do anything at the time. But I discovered a lot of things. I like uh, spend more time with my family. I spend more time thinking about myself and what I've done in the past. And I learn a lot. And I think that people who works with me now can see the changes and can see the progress I made during that time. So what do you do today that you didn't do four years ago for yourself? I think that basically I take my time. So I take my time to do stuff. I'm very trained and used to work under like tight time constraint and stressful situation. But now I have the confidence to, to say, look, okay, this is important, but also my life is important. So probably if I answer to that email a few hours later, no one is dying for that. So probably that's the most important lesson I learned from this year. Excellent. Carlo Pellegrino. Thank you for joining me on Gary Talks. Shall we go upstairs and eat more food now? Yeah. Thank you for the lovely chat. It was great. Grazie. And indeed, we ate even more after our chat last Sunday. So much so that I couldn't eat for about 18 hours afterwards. Thank you for listening to the final episode in this series of Gary Talks. And thank you to all my guests who joined me over the past few months and so kindly shared their stories. Please spread the word about the podcast and follow Gary Talks on social media. I'll be back later this year with more guests, more stories and more insights. Continued success to you for the rest of the year and I look forward to talking to you again in the coming months. Take care. <laughs>